Welcome to the first series of the Living With Chronic Disease podcast, which will focus on NASH, otherwise known as non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. In this first four-part series, we will be talking to Katie, a patient from the United States who was diagnosed with NASH six years ago. Over four 15-minute episodes, we will cover NASH diagnosis, impact on life, treatment, and patient information and support. We hope you find this podcast of value. And if you want to find out more, please visit researchpartnership.com forward slash living with. Hello, my name is Marielle Metcalf. I am head of Living With at the Research Partnership. I head up a team that conducts patient-focused research among people living with chronic illnesses to understand what it's like to live with these conditions. Our guest today is Katie, who will talk about what it's like to live with NASH. So first of all, welcome Katie, and thank you for your time today. To begin with, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Katie, and I was diagnosed with NASH in 2014. I am married with three kids, and that's it. (laughs) Thank you for that. So, you know, we did conduct some uh, interviews in the U.S. uh, about people living with NASH, and from this, we can see that for the most part, you know, the diagnosis was really unexpected. For example, from among the people we interviewed, half had visited the ER for another condition and about a third mentioned they were, you know, they were just going through a general checkup. So could you walk me through how you came to be diagnosed? So in the spring of 2014, I had quite a few symptoms that I thought were just really bad allergies just tired and I had a lot of breathing problems and I couldn't catch my breath and didn't know if I was having some sort of asthma or just something was going on. So I went to my doctor for my regular physical and he did some blood work and I think that's when everything started. The blood work indicated very elevated liver levels and that prompted the ultrasound and that prompted something else and something else and an incredibly long story short it took about three and a half months for them to finally give me a diagnosis and did you experience these symptoms before that that pivotal point when you did go to the doctor did you notice any of this beforehand you know i didn't notice the allergies i think that That was just a happy accident that I was having really bad allergies and that prompted me to go to the, to the doctor. But looking backwards, you know, I work full time up until COVID-19. I traveled every couple of weeks, my job. Um, I have very busy household as well, teenage kids. I am constantly tired. So it was very hard for me to discern where that fatigue was coming from. But looking back, I know that I was feeling more tired. I know that I was having some GI issues and some pain on the right side, but 
I uh, attributed that to eating out and being on the airplane and being jet lagged and being bloated. And so I had all these circumstances in my life that, you know, I kept making excuses for all of these problems. But that said, I am very methodical about getting my yearly checkups. And I have a thyroid condition in which I get blood work done all the time. My liver enzymes were always normal. They were always normal. So I did not have fatty liver. And then NAFO, I mean, I didn't have all these stages. Like literally when I was diagnosed, it was already NASH with cirrhosis and fibrosis and all kinds of problems. Wow. So how did you feel when you got this diagnosis? Well, I know a little bit about the healthcare field, so I assumed that there would be a treatment plan. You know, I assumed that there was like a causation for my NASH. You know, I'm not a drinker. I've never been obese. I've never had any of the common risk factors of someone who has fatty liver disease. I've never had like hepatitis or anything like that, you know, no drug use. So there's really no reason for me to ever have it or know anything about it. So I assumed when I was diagnosed that the doctor would say, okay, here are the next steps, you know, and there was nothing at that time. Well, there's still nothing FDA approved, but there was nothing given to me other than exercise and eat cleanly. And, you know, if you don't have a whole lot of weight to lose, what more can you do other than drink tons of purified water and organic food? I mean, there just really wasn't anything. So I was highly frustrated in that there just wasn't a whole lot of options for somebody like me. When I was diagnosed at 140 pounds, I had a doctor suggest gastric bypass at 140 pounds. So... I found another doctor, (laughs) but it was extremely frustrating for me because there just wasn't a lot of information out there. There wasn't any support that I could find that was beneficial to me, and um, I was really frustrated. So, yeah, it was a really tough time. Mm. When the doctor mentioned to you, okay, you, you have this diagnosis, did they use the term NASH a specific, well, for, first of all, who, who was the doctor that, that gave you that diagnosis? So this, it's so strange. I saw probably four or five doctors before I heard NASH. And I heard NASH from a hepatologist, a liver specialist. But before that, you know, it was always your liver enzymes are really high. It could be, you know, so many things. You know, you seem to have, you know, some nodules or some fibrosis. Why don't you go see a liver surgeon? All of these different doctors. Go see an endocrinologist. Go see this. Go see that. And it was the hepatologist who finally said NASH. And when it was given to me and it said, you know, there's no treatment for it, just lifestyle changes. Do you have any questions? I've never heard of this before. How do I know what kind of questions to have? (laughs) So um, yeah, it was a tough time, but it wasn't until, like I said, it was several months down the line. And it was when I proactively sought out a hepatologist, a liver, well, I didn't even know that's what they were called. I was looking for a liver specialist. 
to tell me what was happening with my liver. You know, I already get a sense of um, your feelings, but I just wanted you to um, vocalize it. So at the time that you were kind of bouncing around through different doctors, so I'm assuming you, you went to the your PCP first or family practitioner first? and Yes. Right. Okay. So through the referrals over this three and a half to four month period, you know, what was going through your mind? Well, I had bits and pieces of information and I even went so far as to read my ultrasound reports and read my blood test reports that were on my portal. And I would Google things to try to understand medical terms. And half of that time, I was convinced that I had liver cancer or that I had all of these other issues. And then when I did read about NASH, your mind automatically goes to worst case scenario and how long before where I am now till worst case scenario. And if there's no treatments for me, what's going to happen to me? So it was incredibly frustrating and confusing and just a hard time. I, I would probably say the first year was incredibly hard. The second year was still confusing, but I'm slowly sort of working my way out of that. <laughs> oh, that certainly sounds like it. So I think we, we covered quite a bit there, but you know, it's interesting because as you said, it wasn't until the hepatologist mentioned the term NASH. I mean, we did this research in the U.S., and even the ones who were diagnosed with it still were not really aware of the term. They would refer to it as fatty liver and things like that. So I just wanted to understand perhaps how the doctor communicated the condition to, to you. That Did they go straight in to say, this is NASH, this is what it stands for, this is what it's about, or did they go along the lines of, or you've got fat in the liver and, and, and things like that? How did that conversation take place? I had four different opinions because I needed a doctor that could communicate well with me and work with me because there were no treatment options, just sort of, you know, well, we're going to wait and watch. We'll see you in six months, see you in six months, see you in six months. And um, I, I, I just didn't feel like that was okay. I mean, I couldn't live that way. But the first doctor who mentioned NASH, you know, said what N-A-S-H stood for, and that it happens because of fat in your liver, and sometimes it's alcohol and drug use, sometimes it's, you know, disease-related, however, you know, somebody gets this, and that, you know, the only way to stop it is to remove the fat the liver and the only way to do that is exercise and weight management and that was really all that I got and for someone who was already you know very active in my life and who never drank or did any kind of drugs <laughs> it was really frustrating because I didn't know what else to do <laughs> And they would say, well, even a 5% reduction. And I took it upon myself to see a liver surgeon because I was convinced that, you know, these, these fibrotic tissues and, and nodules and stuff like that, that can be a result of cirrhosis. I was convinced that that was like a tumor. And so I had to see a liver surgeon. And 
he was telling me that, you know, we'll continue to watch your liver, but I would like you to be about a hundred pounds. And I just looked at him and I thought, maybe when I was 18, I could be a hundred pounds. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, that's really hard. But yeah, it was, it was so frustrating to me. And I just thought there has to be in the work that I do. I'm not a, a healthcare provider, but I do a lot of work in certain things. So I understand that there's research and there are different treatment options out there and that, you know, better living through chemistry. There's got to be something, you know what I mean? If it's not organic, if I can't eliminate it from what I'm doing, if I can't help myself, there's got to be something out there to help me. And I just kept looking until I found a, a doctor that had more information and had more time to spend with me other than to say, it's not bad. We'll see you in six months, you know, and, and the only hope there was that I would stay stable or lose some more weight and see them in six months. So looking back at this process, and I know you've used the words such as frustrating and being left in the dark and all these things, looking back at the diagnosis process for Nash, what could have been done so that your experience could have been different, given the limitations of Nash, that there's no treatment or anything like that? Looking back now, what do you think, you know, I wish the doctor had just mentioned this at that time and that would have given me this or, you know, what could have been improved in, in that whole process? You know, just a better description of what it is, where I'm treating at a very large university hospital. There's no support group for people with NASH. I don't know if there are anything like that at liver centers across the country, but it would have been great to have the doctors say, would you like to talk to another patient that's been living with this? You know, um, someone that could answer questions for me, maybe even a handout with Q&A, you know, FAQs or something on there that had more information about what NASH is. I feel like in my case, the healthcare providers would downplay what it was because they didn't have any treatment options for me. So maybe they didn't want to get me worked up. Maybe they didn't want to get me worried. Maybe they thought that I would overcorrect and be really vigilant about getting down to 100 pounds and being organic and all of these things. But then you go home and you Google it and you see that it can be very serious and that makes you flip to the other side where where you're worried a whole lot but your healthcare provider seems very casual and cavalier about when he's talking to you and he'll see you every six months so I think just talking to someone who's been through it or having more information or some sort of educational pamphlet that was relatable to a patient as opposed to just a brochure that has definitions on it. Hey, thank you, Katie, for taking us through that experience. We're going to close it out now for this particular session where we talked about NASH diagnosis. But for the next podcast, we will be talking about how NASH impacts day-to-day -day life. So we hope you can join us for that session.